This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you are based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Anthony Reich, Bokertov, good morning. How are you? Bokertov, uh, yesterday there was a ceremony at Hatzor Air Base uh, in which the new, the latest of Israel's unmanned aerial vehicles, UAVs, they're sometimes called. We just like to call them drones. Mm-hmm. Um, but this yes, is the do. latest of the drones that are being introduced um, to the Israeli Air Force. It's called Spark, mm-hmm. and yeah. it comes as part of a project of the introduction of numerous drones, which is called Storm Clouds, which is an interesting name that's been given to this project. We don't really know too much about Spark and what it really is able to do. Um, the Air Force simply said that it will significantly advance the ability of the IDF to take effective offensive action, and it boasts uh, the the latest fifth-generation um, technology uh, whatever that might be. So all kind of very um, um, smoke and mirrors mm, in terms mm. of exactly what the capabilities of this drone is. But, uh, you know, it should be well understood that the Israeli Air Force is making significant use of drones, some of them quite large ones with, with significant uh, distance um, ability. Others of them are just kind of... Um, Drones that are, are transported on the backs of um, combat soldiers. They have somebody in the unit who has a drone on his back in a bag, and they can deploy the drone at any moment in time just to be able to see a little further ahead if they need to get some sort of an aerial view of what lies ahead. So in that case, it would just be a surveillance drone rather than one which might be carrying live ammunition, but certainly massive use of drones in the Air Force these days and in the um, in the Army. Um, this has really um, been a huge development and a massive change to the way in which Israel is conducting its warfare. And we do know that we need these drones very much because um, we can see what's happening in Ukraine with mm. the drones mm. that Russia is using, which are being brought from Iran. So we should not underestimate the Iranians and their uh, drone capabilities at all. Yeah, and especially uh, one of the stories we we wanted to talk about today is that Israel has claimed that Iran is building an airport in Lebanon, and that's just 20 kilometers from the Israeli border. Exactly. So, of course, that is very much a related story because um, you could argue that, you know, Iran doesn't necessarily need to have an airport so close to the Israeli border. But, of course, when you see uh, um, an airport so close to the border, then it becomes clear that what this is really all about is to use it for the launch of drones because the distance becomes uh, something of an issue uh, there. And this was a claim that was made by Defence Minister Yav Gallant yesterday 
um, when he accused Iran of setting up this airport, and he actually showed um, some pictures, some um, aerial surveillance pictures, which showed the airstrip just 20 kilometers north of um, Israel's border, and he claimed that it, there was actually an Iranian flag which was flying over the runway, um, which the Iranian regime plans to use uh, to attack Israel, um, I guess using drones rather than using large aircraft from a relatively small strip, but clearly um, Israel making sure to keep up with the latest developments, and this one certainly presents something of a threat to Israel's security, and as I said, especially when you consider the sophistication of the drones that, I- that Iran has mm, at, mm. at its disposal. Is there anything that Israel can do to stop the building of an airport 20 or an airstrip 20 kilometers away? I mean, obviously they can. They can, they can destroy the thing. But uh, it is, uh, is there, uh, are they in a position to, to find a way to object to it? Um, I don't think that politically Israel is able to object. I mean, if they had to, for example, appeal to the United mm-hmm. Nations, we, we saw recently that the uh, UNIFIL, the United Nations force in Lebanon mandate has been renewed by the United Nations. Um, and I think that if Israel, had to, if Israel had to appeal to the United Nations to say this is not part of the agreement, then that probably would fall on deaf ears. So I think that the only feasible way for Israel to object in inverted commas would be to carry out an attack in the same mm-hmm. way that Israel's carried out numerous attacks against various airports in uh, Syria, for example, when Israel has um, been concerned about the transport of Iranian uh, arms and ammunition through Syrian airports towards Lebanon, also into Syria. Um, Israel has carried out numerous attacks against those airports. The question is, you know, what would the consequences potentially be of such an attack? And there's always this risk-reward that one has yeah, to consider, yeah. and I'm sure that the IDF have done their homework in considering whether it would be worthwhile at this stage, at any rate, carrying out an attack against that airfield um, and what the consequences could be. So at the moment, at least, the um, feeling is let's expose it, let's make it public, let's show the pictures. Um, it may well be the first step towards justifying an attack against that airfield. It's uh, it's uh, you, like you know when we know that this is a story that is just beginning, even though it hasn't just begun. We've just found out about it. Israel's obviously been keeping a very close eye on it, but it's uh, definitely a story that we know is going to go places. As is this one, of course, a full bench of the High Court of Justice will uh, assemble today. That's for the first time in Israel's history. Uh, the court uh, will sit to consider the challenge of reasonableness. So uh, let's talk about this. What is expected to take place today? Anthony, are you still there? Have we lost you for a moment? I can hear you, Howard. Ah, that's absolutely perfect. So that is great. So, Anthony, we were just talking about the judges getting together for uh, on uh, to deliberate. Yes. So this is a very historical day in Israel's history, because for the very first time ever, there will be a full bench of fifteen judges of the High Court of Justice who will get together in order to talk about and to consider the petitions against the reasonableness clause. Um, And just to remind people what um, exactly has been happening and and why this is such a big moment. Um, The reasonableness 
clause was a, a law that was introduced as an amendment to Israel's basic law. And the uh, reasonableness standard law says that according to the new law, are not allowed to consider petitions to the court on um, decisions that have been made by government and government authorities on the basis of them being mm -hmm. unreasonable. Up until now, the judges have been allowed and, and have taken the opportunity in cases that have been brought to the court to say that they feel that for whatever reason, the decision that has been taken by the government is not reasonable and has been set aside as a result of it being not reasonable. Now the government has said that that reasonableness standard has to be removed and the law was already passed. And the moment the law was passed, a number of petitions were submitted to the High Court saying that this it's not reasonable to remove the reasonableness clause. It's not reasonable that the judges should not be allowed to consider decisions made by government and by a government administrative um, uh, authorities within the, the governing um, area, within the government, uh, and that the uh, court should still be entitled to rule upon such petitions using the standard of reasonableness. Now, why has this standard of reasonableness been a challenge? Many people feel that the judges in the High Court are liberal as mm -hmm. a general rule and oppose the current direction that the government is taking and so the government and, and other supporters of the government have considered the high court to be kind of another opposition another uh, to hurdle right, that the right. government needs to pass in order to implement its own political um, agenda so therefore this is why the whole reasonableness clause has been highly controversial it was passed into law on july the 24th and today the uh, as i've said before for the very first time ever in Israel's history, 15 judges of the High Court will sit to consider this. It's a little bit like um, one of these reality TV shows because it's all going to be broadcast live on TV and everybody is wondering what the first episode of this new reality TV show is going to be looking like. The uh, judges in the High Court have all been characterized. We know who they are. We know what their names are. We know what they represent. We know some of their history. We're wondering how they're going to be coming into the room, where they're going to be sitting, who's going to be in the courtroom, protesters from one side of the political spectrum or another. It's almost like a reality TV show, but this is really a big deal. And even though the whole process and the whole drama begins today, we're not expecting any results for another three months at least. But you can be sure that everybody's eyes are very much trained on what will go on in that courtroom today for the first time. There were tens of thousands of people who turned out in protest yesterday, both in favor of and against um, the current government decision, the law that was passed. This is really going to be fascinating. And I think that this is a landmark moment in Israel's history. Mm, absolutely incredible. But, but you say it's three months until we will we we will get a, have a ruling on this that is the expectation that will take three but, but anthony what happens if there's a what happens if there's an agreement in the interim well i expect that an agreement in the interim may well um cause the hearing to be halted if it becomes irrelevant um i'm not really quite sure whether or not 
the court will decide if there's an agreement in the interim that they'll stop their deliberations or whether they might choose to continue to a conclusion in any event because that will be precedent setting. And so maybe continuing to a conclusion might be a, a good uh, a way of, of completing things even if there is an agreement because at least it will lay down the rules about what might be acceptable mm. in the future. That will really be a precedent. So it's going to be interesting to see. And let's also remember that the, government, that the High Court has never before struck down a law or an amendment to the basic law. So this is the very first time that the court may potentially strike down an amendment to Israel's basic law, which is sort of, uh, uh, instead of a constitution, given that Israel doesn't have a constitution. I've said this before and I'll say it again. If the ultimate result of this process is that Israel comes up with something of a constitution, that would be the best outcome. The yeah, likelihood, yeah. unfortunately, seems to be pretty low. Wow, wow, wow. And uh, finally, the EU has condemned the Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas for fueling anti-Semitism. This, for me, was a very interesting story because it's a highly unlikely story that the European Union would come out condemning the president of the Palestinian Authority. But that's exactly what's happened. The EU issued a statement um, because the Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas told the Fatah Party's Revolutionary Council, uh, and he used the following words, that Hitler fought the Jews because they were moneylenders. And he went on to say that uh, the reason that Hitler fought the Jews in Europe is because they charged interest on loans and it had nothing to do with anti-Semitism. Those were the words of Mahmoud Abbas to Fatah's uh, Revolutionary Council meeting that took place last, late last week. And the European Union responded by saying that the speech delivered by the President of the Palestinian Authority, Mahmoud Abbas, in, uh, contained false and grossly misleading remarks about Jews and anti-Semitism, and they said that such historical distortions are inflammatory, deeply offensive, and can only serve to exacerbate tensions in the hmm. region and serve no one's interest. So very, very strong words issued by the European Union, and in fact the city of Paris decided to rescind an award that was made to Mahmoud Abbas as a result of the, the statement that he made. He had been, uh, he'd previously been um, awarded uh, a, a, a medal uh, by the city of Paris, and the, um, the mayor of the city of Paris has come out saying that this is not acceptable, and, uh, this, uh, and she and Hidalgo, she's the mayor of Paris, and she has said that he actually denied the historical truth of the Shoah, and as a result of that, she stripped him of the medal that was awarded to him previously. And let's not forget that Mahmoud Abbas has written a doctorate, um, uh, and uh, in his doctoral thesis, the uh, the heading that the 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 the, um, the he wrote was the title was the connection between the Nazis and the leaders of the Zionist movement, and he claimed in that thesis and in some commentary thereafter that less than a million Jews were actually killed, maybe a few hundred thousand was the statement that he made. So he has been a serial denier 
Indeed, it is eight o'clock. A lot of messages. Yes, we are having um, issues with the uh, with our uh, system. Anton L says has streaming failed. Javi says good morning. What's going on with that? The program. Anthony keeps going on and off and repeating himself. He's actually not. Just to be assured, Anthony's not repeating himself. I think there is a bit of a problem with the internet. The network seems to be a problematic. So I do apologize for that. We are working to fix it. It is eight oh one. Anthony. Thank you as always. We'll be back with you tomorrow morning at 7.45. That Israel Report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebluagency.com. Dot com.